Coming up on Philosophy Talk. You find yourself in the kitchen. You see an eclair in the receptacle. And you think to yourself, what the hell, I'll just eat some trash. How do I call thee trash? Let me count the ways. Garbage. Waste. Rubbish. Junk. Litter. Dregs. It was not trash. What makes something trash? Was it in the trash? Yes. Then it was trash. What can we learn about ourselves by examining what we throw away? Doesn't our trash reflect our values as much as our treasures? It was in a magazine and it still had the doily on. Was it eaten? One little bite. <laughs> well, that's garbage. Do the things we call trash say more about the thing or more about us? Our guest is Elizabeth Spellman, author of Trash Talks, Revelations in the Rubbish. The Philosophy of Trash. Coming up on Philosophy Talk. If you like Philosophy Talk, you might also enjoy podcasts from our friends at the IAI, the Institute of Art and Ideas. Check them out at IAI.tv. How much of today's treasure is destined to be tomorrow's trash? Are growing piles of trash just the price we pay for progress? Or do our trashy habits amount to an ecological terrorism? Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm Ken Taylor. And I'm Deborah Satz. And we're here at the studios of KALW in San Francisco. Continuing conversations that begin at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus where Deborah and I both teach philosophy. And today our conversation is about the philosophy of trash. So, Ken... Did you know that the average American produces about four and a half pounds of trash a day? That's an astounding eight tons of trash a year. Why do we make so much garbage? Uh, well, Deborah, I think you have to think of it as the price we pay for progress. I mean, today's trash was yesterday's treasure, and today's treasure will be tomorrow's trash. And that's just how civilization works. No, it's not. It's how capitalism works. That's not progress. It's wasteful. It's an assault on the earth. Oh, Deborah, come on. You know, you haven't read your Plato. We desire things. We're repetitive creatures. It's human nature to want new things, better things, more efficient things. Uh, by the way, Deborah, I have to say, that's a lovely new sweater you're wearing there. <laughs> Point taken, Ken. But it's not human nature that led me to buy this sweater. It was clever advertising and marketing. And it's products designed to break down or become obsolete every year that makes me keep buying. Do you really think it took them 10 tries to get the iPhone right? Well, well, Deborah, th th that's, that's called... Innovation. And without innovation, we'd be stuck in the Stone Age. Look, I'm not against innovation, but I'm against the vicious cycle of pointless consumption. <laughs> vicious cycle of pointless consumption? Well, that's a mouthful, Deborah. You know, it might be a mouthful, but the fact is that businesses create new stuff and they make us want it. And then we buy the stuff and then they create more stuff. And then we want that too. And then they get rich and the earth gets screwed. Ken, all of this unbridled consumption has just got to stop. Just stop, Code? Come on. If we stop buying and consuming, well, then economies will stop growing. And then what do we have? We'll have a world that's poor, gray. It'll be a wretched place. You don't really want that, do you? 
No. And, I, you know, I said unbridled consumption. I'm not saying all consumption is bad or that all trash is bad. Okay. So then how do we decide? How do we decide between the good trash and the bad trash? Look, you may be perfectly content with things that are old and slow, but I got to tell you, I want the latest and the fastest. I really do. You know, Ken, it's not just about what you want. We have to think together about our collective impact on the planet. We've got a fragile ecosystem. Look, look, I, don't get me wrong, Deborah. I care about the planet. I care about it, too. I, I religiously recycle. I compost. Come on. Well, it's great that you do that. And, in fact, about a third of America's trash is recycled. See? See? But it's not enough. Eventually, the rest of the world is going to start consuming at the rate we do now. And then the world is going to be buried in trash, no matter what we do with well, recycling. Well, then we got to make sure that the rest of the world doesn't start consuming at our level, don't we? It's just unbelievable that you said that. Well, well, wait, wait a minute. That was a joke. Come on, chill. Really funny. Okay, jokes aside, then how do we address both world poverty and our consumption how do we keep consuming without destroying the planet? Mm, well, hand-me-downs, Deborah. <laughs> hand-me-downs. Oh, well, seriously. When I was a kid, I loved my older brother's hand-me-downs. And my wife and I, when we were poor, starving graduate students, we, we furnished our apartments with lots of cool, used stuff, essentially hand-me-downs. So, hand-me-downs. Wait a second. You're the guy who always wants the f latest and the fastest. Well, I'm willing to hand stuff down. Yeah, but other people don't want your trash. <laughs> And they don't want your hand-me-downs. Well, but look, look, you get it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to envision like a paradigm shift here, Deborah. Look, instead of seeing old stuff as dirty, useless trash we just throw away, maybe we need to think of it as stuff you know you use for a while and then you lovingly pass on to somebody else, like like hand-me-downs. So if I get you right, what you're saying is it's. Time to trash the very concept of trash as we know it. That's exactly what I'm saying, Deborah. Exactly. And to give us a feel for how that might work, we sent our roving philosophical reporter, Liza Veal, to Recology San Francisco. Now, that's a very special dump where so-called trash is recycled, composted, taken to the landfill, and sometimes turned into art. She files this report. At the San Francisco dump, our waste is sorted into hills. Some bulky, some more granular, some wet, some fermenting. There's also an artist studio here, filled with treasures culled from the household drop-offs outside. I seem to be really attracted to the colorful things, so I feel like I'm a little bit of a magpie, like in that big pile. Beth Krebs is one of this season's artists in residence. The materials she salvages will be worked into an exhibition over four months. Her side of the studio is bright and pretty. A dump is the last thing it brings to mind. I've been collecting a lot of different fluorescent construction, mesh. There's patterned linoleum. Um, a swim noodle. A tower of shiny plastic trays. It's a pile of cake boxes that are just so pretty, I don't know what to do with them. <laughs> she doesn't know what she'll make with any of it yet. Right now, she just feels lucky to get to spare them from what would have been their fate. Just to see day after day that just the volume of stuff coming in is, like, I think we're pretty kept from that. Like, we put our stuff on the side of the road and it goes away. In San Francisco, there's actually only less than 10 things that can't be recycled or composted. Toothpaste tubes, medical gloves, ceramics, soiled diapers, just a few others. 
And yet, because people don't perfectly follow the rules, there's a football-sized trash dump at Recology, destined for the landfill. It's sobering, I think. The artists don't scavenge among the landfill pile. That hill is as alive as we are, teeming with microscopic organisms that thrive on zero oxygen, breaking down our waste and exhaling methane back into the air we breathe, leaching out a garbage espresso that can seep and contaminate our water. We try to rid ourselves of our trash, but it's here. It's fascinating. It's, you know, it's almost like being on an archaeological dig of you know, some species that's, that's long gone, but we're still right here. On the other side of the artist's studio is Rodney Ewing. His palette is much more somber. He's focused in on the remnants of the changing city, construction materials from demolished homes. Like the lath that's right here, uh, the sheetrock, um, the cabinetry, um, pieces of uh, the wand. These materials got him thinking about what's happening in his neighborhood. There's a lot of displacement. Um, there's a lot of gentrification going on. There's a lot of houses being torn down. And also the area where I work, um, every block seems to be a construction zone. He's come to think of trash on a bigger scale in terms of what the city mines and digests and expels from its neighborhoods. By collecting all these materials, I really should be honoring the spirit of the materials and the spirit of like the housing and where they were torn from and and in some ways trying to preserve them in some kind of way. Ewing is still working out his vision, but whatever it is, it will give a second life to the materials laid waste here. The art produced in past residencies has been shown in galleries around the city. Some of it has even been turned into music. One former recology artist, Nathaniel Stuckey, created instruments from the materials he scavenged during his residency. Then he composed a piece of music that's since been performed in a bunch of places, including by the San Francisco Youth Symphony. You're listening to it now. And that's how one city's trash becomes its symphony's treasure. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Liza Beer. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music. Or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.